The following audio is from Harvest Fellowship. For more information about Harvest Fellowship, visit harvestabq.org. Good morning, Harvest. How are you today? Uh, hey, give a, a big shout out to our, uh, our food pantry team. They served 96 families yesterday. So awesome. We, we do that every month, but uh, every once in a while I just like to to just celebrate what's happening through your faithfulness and your generosity there. Um, hey, also, I want to tell you about something. This week, we uh, were at, uh, with our young people, with our youth, at something called Fine Arts. Uh, Fine Arts is a program that our denomination has, and it's, it's really designed to help students to discover and develop their giftings. And so there's all these categories like uh, singing and, and drama and short sermon and painting and photography and just, I, just tons and tons of categories. And so this year we took uh, a group of students, we've done this for a lot of years, and I just had to just brag on them because they did amazing. And so the way it works is, is uh, they're actually evaluated by three evaluators. They get some feedback so they can continue to grow in their giftings. And then there, there's a, a scoring system so that they send the best to the national competition, which will be in August. And so we have, uh, from our youth group this year, we have 17 different categories that were advanced to the national competition uh, this summer. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And there's, there, there, there they are. They're, that's the group that, that went this year. And, uh, and this, is, this is cool, too. Um, every category, they have a first, place, uh, a first place award. And we got seven first place awards from our students at Harvest. That's awesome. That's, so I'll just tell you uh, real quick. So we had a kids lesson group. Uh, that got first place. That uh, was that uh, was written by Pastor Madison, our kids' pastor, and so that group got first place. Uh, our drama group, which that was written by Pastor Tyler, uh, they got first place. Uh, our kids' lesson solo by Angel Serrano, uh, he's not here today, but he got first place. Sign language solo by Julia, that was phenomenal. She doesn't know this yet, but I'm going to ask her to show that to y'all because it was amazing. So now she knows. And then we had a worship team, uh, three students that came together, did a worship team. I mean, literally five minutes just leading uh, in worship. That one, I just have to tell y'all, made my heart so happy. Just so, so happy. They got, they got first place. Uh, children's literature, uh, Angel Serrano once again, and then photography, uh, mobile senior. That's, that's the category uh, was our daughter. Ava. All of those got first place uh, this year. Give them one more round of applause. So proud of our students. Uh, you'll see some of those in the coming weeks. We're going we're gonna to put them into the schedule so you can see uh, and just celebrate with us the amazing things that God's doing through uh, the next generation. And then I want to tell you about something I'm really excited about. And if this, this here, here's how you'll know if this is for you, okay? If you're new to Harvest, and I'll let you define new, okay? It could be, you just define it. It's not about a period of time, but if you're new and you've been asking, hey, what is Harvest about? How do I get involved? 
you know, what, what, what do they believe? What are the things they're doing? Then this, this announcement is especially for you. We've been working on this for a little bit, and I'm excited to announce it. So we're going to start something called Open House. So I don't know when you went shopping for a house last time, but if you're ever shopping for a house, you know, realtors do this thing called an open house, and you go and you tour the house, and you decide, you know, could this house work for me? Can my family live here? And so the idea is that we're going to have a church open house so that you could come and kind of tour. We're actually, we're actually literally going to tour the building. We're going to show you all the different parts and where things happen and that kind of thing. And the idea is to f- figure out, like, hey, is this the church for me? Is this how they do things? Does it, you know, you know fit my style? And, and then at the very end of it, we're going to give you dinner, by the way. There's child care. Uh, and at the end, we're going to give you a chance to meet the leaders of all the different ministry opportunities here in the church. And so then you can, you can get more information. You can talk to them. You can sign up. You can do all those kind of things. So our next open house is April the 14th. It's a Friday night from 6 to 8 p.m. We do need you to register so that we're ready for you, uh, so we have enough food and all that kind of stuff. And so we would just love, and I just know lately I've had quite a few families stopping me saying, hey, uh, how do we get involved? And, I've, and my answer has been, just can you wait? I'm about to announce something. And so I'm ready. We're announcing it. So uh, April 14th is our open house. And I I hope you'll come. It's just, it's going to be such a fun night. I'm really, really excited about it. All right. So we're in a series right now called He Gets Us. All right. Have you been enjoying this series? He Gets Us. It's a series. uh, It's a series about Jesus is what it is. When I say he in the he gets us, it's I'm referring to Jesus. And we're just taking a few weeks as we kind of lead up to Easter. By the way, Easter is just a couple of weeks away. Are you excited for Easter? Uh, And extravaganza and egg stuffing and all the water baptisms on Easter Sunday. I mean, there's so much happening. And so as we lead up to Easter, we just wanted to, to talk about Jesus. Who is he? What, is he say? what did he say? You know, what did he, what did he do? How did he live his life? And then the, the big question is, and how does he change our lives? So let me, let me start today by asking you a rhetorical question. Just, just for just a minute, think about this. When you think about Jesus, okay, when you think about Jesus, who do you picture? All right, who do you picture? Uh, Lisa and I uh, lately have been having this fun conversation in the house because uh, she discovered that some people have what's called an internal dialogue in their heads. All right, about it's about fifty-fifty in our in our home. About fifty percent of our family uh, we have five, so it can't be exactly fifty. So we'll say this: two thirds of our family have an internal dialogue, and two and. No, I'm in my mouth off. And a third, no. Three-fifths of our family has an internal dialogue, and two-fifths does not. And and here's what it means. Man, APS math at its finest right here, all right? (laughs) So so here's what it means. is like in your head, if you have an internal dialogue, you're literally like picturing, you know, and and dialoguing, you know, everything that happens, all right? And so we played this game in our house where we all closed our eyes, and we said, hey, picture an apple tree with a bright red apple on it, and three-fifths of our family can they just see it and two-fifths of us I'll just tell you who it is me and Eden we're just like it's just black I see nothing I just it's, there's nothing there I don't see anything and the crazy part is both of us have wild imaginations but we can't see it I don't know why okay so 
Who do you see when you see Jesus? I don't know if you're part of the which one, which one you can see. Who do you picture when you picture Jesus? Now, growing up, okay, don't hold it against me, just growing up, I pictured Jesus as a blonde-haired, blue-eyed white man, and he definitely had a beard because every awesome guy has a beard, all right? That would have been a good time, men with beards, to say amen. But... But as I grew up, I discovered that Jesus was a Middle Eastern Jewish man. And so more than likely, he wasn't a white, blonde, blue-eyed man. It took me a while to get there. But it's because growing up, that's the the pictures that I saw. Like, that's what I I thought. And and, and so I was doing some reading this week. There's a a book called uh, What Did Jesus Look Like? It was written in 2018, and and the author, uh, Taylor, used archaeological remains, historical texts, and ancient Egyptian art to conclude that, like most people in Judea and Egypt around the time that Jesus was alive, that Jesus more than likely had brown eyes, dark brown uh, to black hair, and uh, an olive color, a darker skin, and he probably was around five foot five, which was the average man's height at that time, all right? So that's, that, that was, that's, what, that's what, what they wrote about. Robert Cargill, uh, an assistant professor of classics and religious studies at the University of, of Iowa, he, he's an editor of something called Biblical Archaeology Review, and he asks this, what did, Je- what did Jewish Galileans look like 2,000 years ago? That's the question, and he comes to this conclusion. They probably didn't have blue eyes and blonde hair. Now, here's the reality. They didn't have cameras in the Bible, so we don't have Jesus' Instagram, right, to go and go, oh, that's, there he is, yeah, that's, that's what he looks like, all right, so the truth is, until we get to heaven, we won't really know what he looks like. Now, beyond physical attributes, when you think about Jesus, what are the attributes that you think of? Maybe, maybe words like, like peaceful, right? Like he's a, he was a man of peace or, or wise. We, we see throughout the stories, the wisdom that he displayed. There's a gentleness in his demeanor. He's very loving and caring. And I don't, I don't know what all the words that come to your mind when you think about Jesus, but all of those are true. But I'm hopeful that today I might be able to give you a perspective that, that maybe you don't have. Maybe you do, maybe you don't, but I, I'm hoping today as we talk about Jesus to, to try to expand your perspective on Jesus. Now, we have a, we have a, a thing that we do here uh, every Sunday that as we're getting ready to receive God's word, we just, we just take a minute, we stop, and, we, and I just ask you, hey, would you pray with me? And I'm going to ask you to do that with me in just a second. And the purpose of this prayer, in case you're new and you're like, well, we, got, we already prayed. I mean, we opened the service with prayer. We prayed during worship. We prayed, the, we prayed over generosity. Yeah, I know we like to pray around here, but this prayer is unlike all the others because this prayer is about positioning our hearts to hear what God has for us today. And, and I have just really enjoyed personally this series on Jesus because every time I go into his word and I'm just like, Jesus, I want to know you better than I've ever known you before. I, I'm like seeing this, this, there's a freshness in my, my reading of his word and my time in his presence. And that's really what I want for you is that you would just fall in love with Jesus or fall in love with him all over again, just at a deeper level. And so that, that's the purpose of this prayer. How many of you will pray that prayer with me today? All right. So let's pray that. Take 30 seconds. Open your heart. Father, right now, 
We're, we're taking this time very serious. When we get into the word of God, we want to we hear you today. Lord, I believe that while there's one cohesive word that's for the entire church today, that there's, there's things that you want to talk to each and every one of us about on an individual basis. And so we just push aside distraction, anything that's going on, and we listen. We open our ears to hear from you today. Holy Spirit, have your way in this room today. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. I want to talk to you today about four things about Jesus. Okay, As I look at the life of Jesus, four things about Jesus. And here's where I'll start. Number one, Jesus is radical. Okay, Jesus is radical. Now, notice that I'm starting with Jesus is, not Jesus was. I'll be honest with you. When I was first writing this message, my first point was Jesus was radical. And I was, I was reading over it uh, a couple of days later, and I, I just had to stop myself because I thought, you know, I, I don't think I'm using the right tense here because was is past tense and is is present tense. And just in case you don't know the full story of Jesus, I'll tell you this in a nutshell, is that Satan tried to kill Jesus He went to the cross. He died on the cross. He did go to the grave. This is actually what we're getting ready to celebrate in a few weeks with Easter. But Jesus only stayed in the grave three days. Three days later, he rose again. And now he's alive. He sits at the right hand of the Father. He's interceding for you and I. He's watching out for you and I. He's there to help you and I. And so I thought it was important that I change my tense in my sentence to remind you that it's not that Jesus just was something. We're going to look at some stories in the Bible it show us his character, but that today that his character still is the same that it always has been. Am I making sense? So Jesus is radical. Now, I personally really like this attribute of Jesus' character. I, I just I like this because some of you will relate with this. I'm the kind of person that I don't do things just a little bit. All right? Is there anyone else in the room that you're kind of wired that way? Like I just I don't just I don't do things just a little bit. I'll give you kind of a silly illustration. This week we went to dinner with some friends and I ordered uh, a Brazilian lemonade. Okay. Um, um, thanks to my friend Tammy O'Brien. She, she uh, uh, introduced me to this beautiful drink, okay? So I ordered a Brazilian lemonade, and I drank my whole first lemonade before we even started, the, the, before the food came. And the waiter came, and a waitress came, and she said, would you like another one? I said, yes. And so she brought me another one, and I finished my second one, and then she brought me, she didn't even ask me the third, she brought me a third one, and a fourth one, and a fifth one. And somewhere in there, someone at our table said, do you know if those are free refills or are they by the glass? I'm like, it's too late now. I have no, I have no idea. <laughs> we'll find out. Good news is when I got the bill, they only charged me for one. But somewhere in there, I said to my friends, I said, this is why I don't drink alcohol. <laughs> All right? I was like, it's just lemonade. But it's like, it's just hard for me. It's hard for me to just do things a little bit. Like, I, man, if we're going to do something, okay, let's go all the way. Like, let's, let's run hard after it. Let's give it everything. Let's go. And so when I talk about the, that Jesus is radical, I just personally resonate with it. I love this part of Jesus. And I wanted to start here because I think sometimes we end up with what I would just call a watered-down version of the life and character 
of Jesus. There was an article in the New York Times titled The Forgotten Forgotten Radicalism of Jesus Christ. Here's what this article says. First century Christians weren't prepared for what a truly radical and radically inclusive figure Jesus was, and neither are today's Christians. We want to tame and domesticate who he was, but Jesus' life and ministry don't really allow for it. He shattered barrier after barrier. So I'll say it again. Jesus is radical. Think about all the radical things that Jesus said. So, so if you're taking notes, I don't have time to go into every one of these. You can just write these down. You can study them uh, in your own time this week. But think about the radical things that Jesus said. Like in Matthew chapter 5, verse 44, where Jesus said, to love your enemies. Anyone agree that that's radical? It's easy to like people that are like you. Am I right? It's easy to like people that like the things that you like. It's easy to like people who vote like you. It's easy to like people that you know do the same things as you, eat the same things as you, go to the same places, share the same philosophies. But Jesus showed up, not with an easy message, but a radical message, and he said, love your enemies. Matthew chapter 20, he says, the first are going to be last, and the last are going to be first. This is a radical message. Matthew 20, verse 26 to 28, he talks to us about becoming a servant. He says, but whoever would be great among you must be your servant. It's a, it's a radical message. Every time Jesus showed up on the scene, he took whatever we thought, and he flipped it upside down. He, everything he did was radical. Luke chapter 9, he talked to us about denying ourselves. Not a particularly popular message when Jesus preached it, and today it's very much not a popular message to deny yourself. Mark chapter 10, Jesus says, hey, you should sell your stuff and be generous to the poor. Take care of the poor. (laughs) Again, not a popular message, but a radical one. Luke chapter 6, he says, blessed are the persecuted. (laughs) Wow, what a, you know, no one said amen to that, right? A radical message. Matthew chapter 6, verse 25, he says, don't be anxious. This is a radical message. He shows up to, and people are, are freaking out. He says, hey, don't be anxious. Matthew chapter 7, here's a, this is maybe the most radical message. He says, not everyone will enter the kingdom of God. I don't know if you know this, but we live in a day and age where they want you to believe, culture wants you to believe that there's a lot of ways to get to heaven, that there's a lot of ways to be saved, <laughs> that, 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 that you can live the way you want and there's a bunch of paths to get there. But Jesus came on the scene and said, guys, I hate to tell you this, but not everyone's going to get in the kingdom of heaven. He said, in fact, there's only one way and it's through Jesus to get to the Father. This is a radical, this is a radical message. Think about the radical things that Jesus did. John chapter 8, Jesus shows up and there's a a woman who, it's always intrigued me because it says that she was caught in the act of adultery, okay, which I've always wondered how they caught her in the act, whatever, they caught her and the religious crowd is gathered around and and do you remember this story there? Because what do they have in their hands in this moment? Do you remember? They had rocks, stones, right? In fact, some of you have wondered why on the edges, on the corners in our, of our stage, why we have these, these piles of rocks. Um, so I'll tell you, it's because this represents the first message that I ever preached as the pastor at Harvest out of this passage in John chapter 8. 
Because the religious crowd, were, they're standing around. They've got their, their rocks because they're ready to stone the woman who's been caught in sin. But Jesus steps in and he says, hey, whoever has no sin, any of you, whichever one of you has no sin in your life, then you go ahead and you throw the first rock. And there's this kind of this implication, and then we'll all jump in behind you, right? Like, come on, let's st- she's caught in sin. So whoever has no sin... And if you remember this story, one by one, it says they laid their rocks down and they walked away, right? And I remember preaching this almost nine and a half years ago because Lisa and I said, this is the kind of church that we want to be. The kind of church that takes our rocks and lays them down and comes alongside of someone who's in sin and says, hey, it's not okay, but we love you. And what we'd rather do instead of throw a rock is put our arm around you and walk with you and, and disciple you and help you. This, this is a radical message. Do you realize this? It's so much easier to throw a rock. Do you know that? Like throwing rocks is easy, right? If I'm honest with you, I have to remind myself of this radical message quite often because I can be a rock thrower, all right? And I, in my head, I've thrown a lot of rocks, all right? And Jesus showed up and he said, this is not how we're going to live, disciples. We are going to love. John chapter 4, Jesus talks to the Samaritan woman at the well. There's so much about this that's radical. Jesus is talking to a woman. Jesus is talking to a Samaritan. Both of those things are radical. No one else is doing this in Jesus' day. He touched the lepers. You know this. Leprosy is a a disease that that had no cure. It was highly contagious. So in biblical times, if you were a leper, it was kind of like 2020 and you got COVID. You had to walk around saying, unclean, unclean. Don't don't come near me, right? But Jesus, he ignored that and he walked right up. And not only did he get clean, he touched the lepers. I'm just telling you, all throughout the scripture, he said radical things. He did radical things. We talked about this last week. He he ate dinner with the tax collectors and and the sinners. He walked on water. He multiplied food. He turned water into wine. Uh, He stuck up for women. He stuck up for the poor. He he defended the unclean. He, He affiliated with different political parties. That's radical. Nobody's doing that today. Nobody was doing it then or still not doing it today. Jesus showed up. He, he, he affiliated with people of different races and cultures. I'm just telling you, everything about Jesus' life was radical. Was he loving and peaceful and kind and caring? Absolutely. What I want you to see today, though, is that, that those attributes, it's not a complete picture. See, sometimes, I, here, here's why I'm saying. I remember growing up imagining that Jesus was just this kind, gentle being who just, because he was with no sin, he just kind of floated through earth, you know, just kind of floating around, doing good, you know, just doing good. And, and what I'm realizing is he did good. He was loving. He does all those things. But he was also highly controversial, He was radical. Listen to this teaching, Luke chapter 14, verse 26. It says, if anyone comes to me, this is Jesus, and does not hate his father, mother, wife, children, brothers, and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. That's radical, right? 
That is radical. Now, just to be clear, Jesus isn't teaching that you hate your family, okay? You'd have to study it to understand it. But what he's saying is, he's saying, I need to be at the top of the list. There can be no one that's in front of me. And I love that he says, even yourself. You, you cannot love yourself. You can't want what you want more than you want what I want for you. That's what he's saying. But that's a radical teaching. Everything he did, everywhere he went, everything he said. What I love about Jesus, he didn't play it safe. He didn't worry about what others were going to think. He didn't water down his message because of who was in the audience. He lived a radical life. And here's, here's what I want you to know. And I believe because we are his disciples that he's calling you and I to live a radical life as well. In fact, thank you, Jace. In fact, I believe that our society needs us to live a radical life. What is radical Read God's word, live like it says we live, we should live, do what it says, say what it says, just follow the example of Jesus. So Jesus is radical. Here's the second thing I want you to know, is that Jesus raised the bar. He raised the bar. I don't know how, how you feel, and, and I'm going to try really hard to not get on my soapbox here. I'm going to try really hard. You, you'll help me. But it feels like that we're living in a time where the bar is constantly being lowered, okay? It's just how I feel. You might agree. You might not, okay? There, there was an article this week that I read that, that talked about should we lower the, the grade uh, average required for a letter grade. So they wanted to take an A from a 90 to 100 and go like to like an 83, right? Like an 83 would now be an A. And then they lower, and, and, and then this article said they wanted to eliminate Fs, right? They wanted to eliminate the, the failing, flunking, right? And I just read this and I'm like, why are we lowering the bar, <laughs> right? When we should be raising the bar, okay? I'm not actually gonna tell you what I think about education. I'm talking about lowering the bar, right? What about sports? I don't know about you, but I grew up playing sports. Anyone play sports growing up? I played, I played Little League Baseball. I played basketball. I ran track, cross country, okay? There were sporting events that I went to, and my team won, and it was awesome, okay? There were sporting events that I went to, and my team lost, and it was okay. I learned things winning, and I learned things losing. That's how we grow up and we mature. But today's culture wants to go, hey, you get a trophy, and you get a trophy, and you get a trophy, and there's really no winners or losers because you're all winners. No! No, that is not true. That is not, I'm just telling you, we can't, we can't lower the bar. We, we, we can't, okay? How about this? You'll, I know you'll relate to this. How hard is it today to find good customer service? How hard? I mean, it's like, do you even want this job? Right? We, we, were, we were eating somewhere recently, and the customer service was so good. We just found ourselves the whole, it was just Lisa and I, we were on a date, the whole meal, we're like, that waitress is so amazing. 
oh my, I said, Lisa, how long has it been since we had this good of service? And she's like, we should tell her. And so we waited until she was by her manager and we went, we got up and we went and, and we said it to her in front of her manager. We're like, this has been amazing. This has been refreshing. Thank you for, I mean, it was just absolutely amazing because I'm just telling you the, the bar has been lowered. It's like, hey, you should just be happy you got your food, right? That's kind of the, the motto right now. We live in a world where the question seems to be, how little can I do and still get a paycheck? <laughs> how little can I do and still, you know, check the box, still, still make it? But I just want to tell you that this is not Jesus' message at all. The truth is, the higher the standard, most often the smaller the crowd. But Jesus, he didn't give in to the, this, this popularity way of thinking. He raised the bar over and over and over. Let me give you some examples. One day, there's a rich man that comes to Jesus with this question. Matthew chapter 19 says, Just then a man came to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life, okay? And, and I'll, I'll point out, we'll see it later in the story, that this was a wealthy, uh, uh, influential person that comes to Jesus with this question. What, what must I do? And I'm saying that because sometimes the temptation when there's a rich, influential person asking is to water down the message, to lower the standard and go, well, since you're rich and powerful, you don't just have to do this. We'll let you in at this level, right? Just, we're going to lower the standard. But I love what Jesus did because he says this. He says, well, why do you ask me what is good? There's only one that is good. So what you're seeing, he's putting him in his place, right? Jesus is like, I don't care that you're rich and powerful. There's only one that is good. And if you want to enter, you have to keep the commandments. And the man says, which ones? So Jesus says, you shall not murder. You're going to sound, it's going to sound like the 10 commandments. You shall not murder, commit adultery, not steal, not give false testimony, honor your father and mother, love your neighbor as yourself. And the young man, you kind of see him like puff his chest up, like he's feeling good. And he says, all of these I have kept. What do I still lack? And Jesus answered, well, if you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions, give to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. And when the young man heard this, watch this, he went away sad because he knew what it was going to cost him. Because it says, because he had great wealth. And Jesus looks at his disciples. And he says, truly, I tell you, it is hard for someone who's rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, watch this. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who's rich to enter the kingdom of God. This end where Jesus says it's easier for a, to, for a camel to go through the eye of a needle, it's a, it's a bit of a complicated passage because you're reading it and you're like, well, what does this really mean? And there's kind of two trains of thought. One is that there was potentially, this is what some historians believe, there was potentially a gate to get in and, and it was built out of stone and it was built in such a way that if you were riding your camel and you came to that gate, that the only way to get in was you had to get off your camel, you had to unload your camel, and you had to lead your camel through this gate, and it was too tall, so you had to help your camel duck its head to get under and to get in. So in other words, it was a security feature, right? It was like at night when I'm sleeping, they can't just ride their camels into our camp. They're going to have to like go through some effort to get in here. That's what some believe. Other people believe that Jesus was just saying something audacious to illustrate his point, okay? It's 
called hyperbole, right? Like, like here's some examples today. So, some, someone maybe has said, I'm so hungry that I could eat a horse. Have you ever had anyone say that? Which, by the way, I would never want to eat a horse, all right? I would pick another animal, right? But it's a hyperbole, right? Or how about, how about this one? I slept like a rock last night, right? How about that? Anyone ever heard that? I slept like a rock. I don't know how rocks sleep. I mean, it kind of looks like they're always asleep. That one's sleeping right now, right? My kids use this word a lot, literally. Anyone else? Literally, they use this word. And often I want to say to them, I don't think that word means what you think it means. Because they'll say this, I literally died. No, no, you're still alive. You did not literally die, right? You following me? These are hyperbole. And that's, that, that, I think that's what Jesus was doing. Okay? But whether it's the gate or the hyperbole, either way, the message is clear that it's impossible to be saved on your own merits. In other words, he raises the bar, right? He says, look, this is the way that you're going to follow me. He, that's what he said to the rich guy. He said, go sell your stuff and give to the poor and then come follow me, which, by the way, is an invitation for a lifetime of raising the bar. As soon as you get here, he's going to raise the bar. As soon as you get there, he's going to raise the bar. What he's saying is no one is good enough. No one is strong enough. No one is rich enough. Matthew chapter 5, there's a, just, it's called the Sermon on the Mount. And there's this great series uh, of like, it's like these mini messages, like all in a row in Matthew chapter 5, where Jesus raises the bar over and over and over. Let me show it to you. Matthew 5, verse 21. Starts like this. You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, you shall not murder. Anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. Okay? So raise your hands if you believe that murder is bad. You should raise your hand right now in case you're confused. All right? You should not murder. Jesus says, you've heard that it was said that you should not murder. And everyone in the room is like, mm-hmm. Yes, Jesus, we should not be murderers. And then he raises the bar. He says, but I tell you, Jesus tells you, that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. That is a much, okay, I have never murdered anyone. I can, I can tell you that with honest truth. I've never murdered anyone, okay? But I have been angry at people. And Jesus came along and he said, it's not enough to just not murder. That's a low bar, <laughs> Right? He says, I'm telling you, don't even be angry. He ra- it's, mu- it's a much higher bar, a much higher standard to live by. Then he says this, just a few verses later, verse 27. I love how every one of these start like this. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. He says, but I tell you that anyone who even looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So again, he's like, I'm not, it's not enough to just be right here. He says, I'm going to raise the bar. I'm going to challenge you to live at a different standard. A few verses later, you've heard that it was said, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other also. And then verse 43, just a couple verses later, you've heard that it was said, love your neighbor, hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemy and pray for those who who persecute you. I love that every one of these start like this. You've heard that it was said, right? How many of you have heard some things that have been said before, right? You probably heard some things this week, right? Well, I heard this. 
Well, I heard that. Did you hear what they're doing here? Did you hear what they said? Did you, right? Listen, we've all done this. I love Jesus says, you've heard that it was said. So let me just help you today. Whatever you have heard, you better find out what Jesus thinks about it. Whatever you have read or heard or seen on social media, you better find out what Jesus thinks about it because I'm just telling you, he is radical and he's constantly raising the bar. If you follow Jesus for very long, you will learn that he will not allow you to settle where you are, but he will continually ask you to take new steps to grow, to mature, to become more like him. And I'm just warning you that every time the bar gets a little bit higher. So he's radical. He raises the bar. And here's the third thing is that Jesus requires everything. He requires everything. I'll tell you that the entry point for following Jesus is really, really easy. It's really easy. Romans chapter 10, verse 13 says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. I love this verse. Some of you will know this. It's part of what's known as the Romans road. It's a, it's a, a group of verses that are all out of Romans that kind of walk us through this idea that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And we get all the way there. And then, and then it says this good news. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It's, it's the entry point. I don't know when you did this. I don't know when you prayed this prayer, when you called out for help. Maybe it was in a church service. Maybe it was in a small group. Maybe it was by yourself. I don't know. I remember so definitively as a, as a young man, I was in kids' church, which, by the way, I'm so thankful for the ministries that we have for the next generation in our, in our preschool age, in our elementary age, in our junior high age, in our high school age. I'm so thankful because I was in elementary school. I don't remember exactly what the kids pastor preached, but he used an illustration. Do y'all remember that game, Hot Potato? Do you remember that game? Where you, 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 you know, keep tossing the, the item like it's a hot potato, you know? And I, don't, I still, to this, to this day, I, I need to find him and, and be like, do you remember this sermon? And he won't, but it's okay. He preached something about hot potato. And I remember, I was, I was in elementary school, and I remember the Spirit of God moving on my heart and convicting me and I realized that I needed a savior. And I remember, because I'd grown up in church, I'd been around a church a whole lot. My parents were pastors, my grandparents were pastors. I'd been around church a lot, but there was a moment where I realized that I needed a savior. And I'm telling you, in kids' church, I got out of my seat, I ran to the altar, and with, <laughs> it sounds so funny, with tears streaming down my face and both hands lifted in the air, I cried out and said, Jesus, I wanna be a hot potato for you. the truth. That's how I got saved. <laughs> it's, it's a low, it's a low entry point. <laughs> and Jesus looked at me and said, I'll make you a hot potato. Come on, son. Right? I didn't, you don't have to pray it like in an exact way. That's what I'm telling you. Right? It's, it's an, it's an entry. You just call out to the Lord and you will be saved. But I need to warn you that fall, that starting the process of following Jesus is easy. But remember, he's radical. He's always raising the bar. So in the case of following him, not the entry point, but following him, it's always more than just a prayer. So first, you, you make a decision, right? I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going I'm to change the way that I'm living my life, and I'm going I'm to follow his commands for my life. I make a decision, but now you have to demonstrate 
In other words, you have to live the life, right? This is the part that becomes hard. By the way, the first way to demonstrate your decision is through something called water baptism. And I'm so excited because on Easter Sunday, we're going we're gonna to have the water baptism. There's, there's nothing else that I know of that demonstrates the, the transformation that happens when you surrender your life to Christ. And we've already got a couple that have signed up and, and said, hey, I want to be baptized on Easter Sunday. Because here's what it is, in case you don't know, is it, it, it illustrates when that person goes under the water. It's a metaphor for going under uh, the ground, into the grave, right? They're old self dies, and when they come back up, they are made new, right? Second uh, Corinthians says they are a new creation. And it's like whatever, whoever you were before, that's now buried and dead, and now I am alive in Christ, and I am a new creation, right? That's the, that's the first part of the demonstration of my decision to follow Christ. But then, all along the way, as you follow Jesus, Holy Spirit will convict you and say, hey, I don't think you should say that. I don't think you should go there. I think you should do better in this area. I think you should change how you do this. I think, right, have, have any of you experienced that in your walk with Christ? And sometimes when the Holy Spirit convicts you, you don't like what he's telling you. Come on. Anyone like, yeah? This is what I'm telling you. The entry point is easy. All who call the name of the Lord will be saved. But now the process of following him is he's constantly raising the bar. He's constantly asking you for more. You know, sometimes, uh, sometimes I'll teach on things like, for example, like tithing, right? I'll teach on tithing from time to time. Tithe is a biblical principle that just means the first 10%. It's, it's a way that the, Bibli- the Bible talks about how, how followers of Christ should, should treat our finances. And it's this idea that God provides for us. And so we then give back to him the first 10%. And just sometimes, not every time, but sometimes I'll teach that and, and I'll get a little bit of pushback. Somebody will come and talk to me and they'll see, they'll see things like this. They'll say, pastor, the tithe was in the old Testament and we're under the new covenant now. So we don't have to live like that. And I'll say to them, I'm so glad you brought that up. And they'll say, really? I say, yes. Here's why. Because when Jesus came, he raised the bar and he doesn't just want 10%. He wants everything. Ha ha. Chicked you, right? I'm just telling Jesus, he, he doesn't just show up and say, hey, say, I just want, I want a little bit. He's constantly asking for more, not, not just of your finances. I love that Pastor Tyler talked about generosity today and he related to our time, right? Jesus will ask you, he'll, he'll constantly help you to evaluate how are you spending your time? Are you spending your time to increase the kingdom of God or are you spending your time to pursue the desires of your flesh? He'll constantly, I'm just telling you, over and over and over, Jesus will ask you for everything, There's a couple of examples. Matthew chapter 4, verse 18, talks about the the first disciples that were called by Jesus. Here's the picture. It says, while walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who's called Peter, and Andrew, his brother. And what are they doing? They're fishing. They're casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me. This is Jesus. He walks up to two brothers. He says, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. He's, he's relating to them. He's like, you, are, you understand the, the business of fishing for fish, 
but I'm going to teach you how to fish for men. And it says, immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going from there, he saw two brothers, James, son of Zebedee, John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. So they're also fishermen. And he called them, and immediately they left their boat and their father and followed him. So it's, it's this picture that following Christ requires you to leave some things behind. Now, for the disciples, fishing was not a hobby, okay? For me, fishing is a hobby. For them, it was their livelihood. It was, it was how they paid their bills. It was that, that was their job. That was their life. And Jesus shows up and he says, I'm going to change your life. You're not going to do things the way you've always done them. So I need you to leave this behind and follow me. And I love that it says that immediately they dropped whatever they had in their hands. That, that's the, the, the idea. Because whatever you have in your hand, it's, it's an idea that this is my identity. This is who I am. This is what I do. They dropped it and they followed Jesus. I'm just telling you that it will cost you to follow Jesus. There's a radical message. It will cost you to follow Jesus. Listen to what he said in Matthew 16. Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. It's a radical message. You're gonna, it's going to require everything. You know, most of this series, it's titled He Gets Us, and it's largely about the humanity of Christ, how that he came to the earth so that he could understand us, so he could feel what we feel, so he could, he could understand the trials, the temptations, the, the emotions, right? He gets us, but, but let me just add to that today. Yes, he gets us, but following Jesus will still today require you to leave some things behind. Yes, he gets us, but it's not, he didn't come just to get us. He came to relate to us so he can invite us to come on a journey and become more like him. So my question to you is simply this, what have you left behind lately? What have you left behind lately? If you've been following Christ for some time, you, you should probably do some, some work this week to, to ask because here's the reality. If it's been a while since you've had to leave something behind, you've probably ignored some of the things the Holy Spirit has been talking to you about. Because he's constantly raising the bar. He's constantly challenging us. He requires everything. And then here's the last one is this, is that Jesus is all about relationship. I had to end here because you might think by the first three things that we talked about that he's radical and he raises the bar and, and he's always, he requires everything. You might think that this thing of following Jesus is all about the rules, right? It's like, well, let's just become more radical, you know? Like, well, well, well I fasted three days last week, so I'm, I'm going to fast four days this week. And, and you did that. You gave this, and I'm going to give this. And it's just more. I'm just going to follow the rules. I'm going to do better. And I just want to back up and just remind you that Jesus is all about relationship. He's all about it. I love this story in Luke 19. Luke 19 says, Jesus entered Jericho. He was passing through a man there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was chief tax collector. He was wealthy. 
He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he couldn't see over the crowd, so he ran ahead. He climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. That's one of many times in scripture that we see Jesus going to someone and initiating a relationship, initiating a relationship. You know, there's this, this beautiful idea in the scripture that, that Jesus stands at the door of your heart and knocks, right? That, that's that moment that I felt I, as, a, as a kid when I ran to the altar and cried out to him. It's, it's, it's this pulling that Jesus is like, hey, 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 I would love to invite you to begin a relationship with me. But we, can, we cannot, church, we cannot let it stop there. It, it can't just be, I prayed a prayer. Like, listen, I'll lead you, I'm going to lead you in a prayer at the end of today. And if you pray that prayer, I would love to come and high five you and meet you and talk to you and congratulate you. And if you need a Bible, we'll give you a Bible. We'll tell you about life groups. We'll introduce you to someone who can mentor you, like all of those things. But here, here's what I need you to know. That's an awesome moment, but that's not all. Jesus wants to be in relationship with you. How crazy is that? <laughs> he wants to be in relationship with you. <laughs> we started the year talking about prayer. That was our first series of the year, prayer. Prayer is just talking to God, right? It's a piece of every meaningful relationship in your life requires ongoing conversation. Am I right? Every This is what Jesus wants. He, wants. he wants you to talk to him, not just on Sundays, but every day. Every day. He wants to be in relationship with you. Why don't you stand with me? Our worship team is going to lead us in just a minute. One final song. I'm going to come back up. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. I'm going to lead you in two prayers. Prayer number one is I'd love to pray with those of you that are ready to make a decision to follow Jesus. All of those that call in the name of the Lord will be saved. We'll, we'll do that. We'll call in the name of the Lord. And, and today you could do that for the first time or for the hundredth time. And scripture is still true today that all will be saved. But then I'm going to lead you in a second prayer. It's for those of you that have prayed that first prayer already. And now you might sense in this final worship time as, as you open your heart, that the Holy Spirit might ask you to, to lay something down. He might say, hey, you've been living this way, but I'm gonna raise the bar. Hey, uh, I need you to forgive that person. Hey, I need you to do this. Hey, I need you to, right, he's gonna raise the bar. And so our closing prayer, our second closing prayer is gonna be us committing to following Jesus on this radical adventure. Like, is, does it excite you to think about the radical nature of following Jesus? Like, like what I'm trying to say is that it's the most fun thing you will ever do. I love telling new believers this. I'll tell them, if you're not having fun following Jesus, you're doing it wrong. Because he's so radical. He's always pushing the boundaries. He's always raising the bar. He's always inviting us to go on an adventure. And so that's going to be our closing prayer in just a few moments. So as the worship team leads us in a final song, would you just, would you open your heart to the leading of the Holy Spirit 
after hearing his word and being challenged by his word. And then we'll pray a closing prayer. Worship team, lead us. Thank you for listening to the Harvest Fellowship Podcast. For more information, visit harvestabq.org.